Hello, my name is Rebecca May Johnson. I'm a writer and cook, and this is my Substack. This week's newsletter contains an account of a walk round Warrington with a meal at the end, a recipe from Solstice 2019, and eating notes. Orienteering. In the car park of the National Grid Gas Archive in Warrington, on an industrial estate 30 minutes outside Manchester, I opened the Ordnance Survey map on my phone. We came here on our drive back down from Scotland so that Sam could consult the archive. Although I was surrounded by light industrial buildings, when I zoomed to a scale of 1 to 25k, the map showed green footpath dashes and diamonds 50 metres from where I sat. With the car door open to let the air in, I plotted a circular route of 5.09 miles and named it Warrington National Gas Archive Loop. I set off past a van where a man was talking to his dog down a path in the gap between two warehouses and was suddenly on a bridge amidst a sea of grass and wildflowers looking down at lime green strands of weed combed by the moving water of the Sankey Brook. I felt pleased with myself and powerful for finding a beautiful walk so easily, bending a new landscape to my will. As I continued along the marked tarmac path, which took me away from the water, I kept seeing well-trodden desire lines disappear into the hedges and the tall grass back towards the water. I wanted to follow them, but also clung on to my, my map, suddenly aware that I had not walked alone in an unfamiliar place in a long while. It was annoying to feel this way, but the spectre of anxiety stayed with me. I thought I could know everything through the map, but everything was overwhelmingly unknown in the flesh. Eventually, after passing by three or four paths, I followed one into some trees, which led to a clearing back at the water's edge. And for a few seconds, I appreciated it. Birds, gentle insect sounds, water. But then I became heavily aware that I could see nobody else at all and that someone might suddenly appear through the hedge, as I had, and was nervous again. Things continued this way. Later, there was a woodland that followed alongside a hot, dusty track. I longed for the shade of the paths under the trees, but German fairy tales intruded into my thoughts. Again, after missing a few entries in, I followed one into the woods and savoured the cooler air for a short while. But, already edgy, I got a fright when I turned a corner and almost collided with a tall man walking alone in the opposite direction. He looked visibly shocked too and made a comment about it. I ran to the next exit back onto the hot track, taking a look behind me as if I were in a horror film. Other aspects of the walk that took on an exaggerated and nightmarish quality included a track under a motorway bridge that led through a car breaker's yard, unseen dogs barking inside a shed near some horses, 
long tunnels of hedging. A lonely road with discarded car tyres dropped along it. And swans. I spent 15 to 20 minutes deciding how I would pass by a group of swans standing halfway across a path. There were two adults and five cygnets sitting down. Every time I approached, they all looked at me and began to move, and I anticipated my own demise. I tried to look casually at the river and into the hedge to show interest in other things that were not the swans, so they would not think I had come to harm the cygnets. I was acting again. I contemplated turning round and cutting the walk short. I hoped for other braver walkers in whose wake I would follow. They did not come, though several bicycles swerved round the swans at speed. Finally, I followed after a cyclist, my heart beating fast, and the swans barely looked at me. I did cut my walk short, though. Sometime after the swans, my plotted route led to what was supposed to be a footpath through a field. However, the farmer had not acknowledged the path, so I had to walk on crops and then uneven ground under trees along a ditch lined with discarded industrial plastics. When I emerged back onto the road, the sun got hotter and hotter, and I did not like the sense of building crescendo. Rather than face more fields managed by farmers with unknown feelings of hostility, I walked along a busy bee road to rejoin an earlier segment of the route. Back through the now familiar breaker's yard, past the barking dogs, along the tarmac path and making no further diversions into the woods or bushes, I arrived back in the car park. After my grim-like games with straying and not straying from paths which were and then weren't there, came the reward for my return. Two minutes from the archive car park on the industrial estate was an Ikea canteen. I ate a dish from the menu I had not tried and had several refills of cold drink and sat in the air-conditioned space. I ordered chicken schnitzel with sprouting broccoli and asked for french fries instead of boiled potatoes. I also asked to have the gravy usually served with meatballs on top of the schnitzel and fries which turned out to be essential for moisture, and several sachets of ketchup for piquancy. Sam had meatballs. The navigable novelty of the IKEA menu acted as a reorientation exercise. In the canteen, I was reminded of eating in a smoke-filled tavern-like restaurant in Vienna a few years ago, where I shared schnitzel and potatoes and a meat stew that came with a berry-type condiment with Sam. Even though the schnitzel in Vienna was not served with the berry condiment, they were brought together in that image, and I thought that next time I ordered schnitzel at Ikea, I would ask for the lingonberry jam that is usually served with the meatballs, as well as the gravy, to see what it is like. Recipe. I have been on the move a lot, and had not cooked much of note, but when I was away and doing this walk in Warrington, it was the week of summer solstice, and my friend Rebecca wanted to come and swim in the sea to market, 
but alas, I was not at home. So here is a menu and a recipe I cooked for Rebecca and some other friends on the solstice in 2019, which is recorded in full on the former blog version of Dinner Document that I ran from 2011 to 2021. Menu. Watermelon, tomato, mint, chilli and parmesan. Scorched padron peppers. Caponata with ricotta and ciabatta. Poached apricots, cold rice pudding, rose petals and cream. Caponata serves four to five as part of this menu. The recipe below is a mix of Claudia Roden from the Book of Jewish Food and Rachel Roddy from the Guardian column and Two Kitchens and me. Important, leave this to rest for several hours before serving. Ingredients. Sunflower oil for deep frying. Four tablespoons of olive oil. 1.2 kilograms of aubergines cut into one inch cubes sprinkled with a teaspoon of salt and left to drain in a colander for 30 minutes, then rinse and pat dry with kitchen towel. Two medium onions, diced roughly. Four garlic cloves, finely diced. Three celery ribs, cut into one centimetre slices. Two thirds of a tin of tomatoes. Two tablespoons of sultanas, optional. Three tablespoons of halved green olives. Two tablespoons of rinsed small capers. One tablespoon of toasted flaked almonds or pine nuts. Two tablespoons of soft light brown sugar. Three tablespoons of red wine vinegar. How to make. Deep fry the aubergine cubes in a saucepan. I had three to four centimetres of sunflower oil until lightly browned, then drain on kitchen roll. Boil the celery slices for five minutes in salted water, then set aside. In a large frying pan, fry two medium onions diced, not too finely, in four tablespoons of olive oil until golden brown. Then add the diced garlic cloves, and when fragrant, add the tomatoes two tablespoons of sultanas, optional, three tablespoons of halved green olives, two tablespoons of rinsed small capers, and one tablespoon of toasted flaked almonds. Stir well and simmer for three to four minutes on a low heat. Then add two tablespoons of soft brown sugar and three tablespoons of red wine vinegar and simmer until dissolved. Turn off the heat. Add the aubergines and celery to the pan and stir. Adjust salt, vinegar and sugar to taste. Leave to rest for at least an hour or two before serving. Eat at room temperature. Top with some more toasted flaked almonds. Serve with ricotta and good crusty bread or focaccia. Eating notes. Croissant and blueberry pastry with custard at Pollen Bakery in Ancoats, Manchester. The filling on the blueberry pastry is really nice. 
The bakery is on the canal with outdoor seating and they serve good coffee. But the pastry itself is a little on the bland side. Pain au chocolat and a bacon and egg sandwich at Trove, also in Ancoats in Manchester, both shared with Sam. We thought the pastry here had better flavour than at Pollen, with more depth and better seasoning. The bacon and egg sandwich was also great and served with an own made Scotch bonnet chilli sauce. Trio of roasted meats, greens in supreme stock with mushrooms and wolfberries, plain rice, salt and pepper squid, at Banquet Chinese, which is on the outskirts of Colchester. The restaurant is Essex glamorous inside and with its own beautiful garden on a suburban site with a Tobury covery next door and lots of parking. It was packed near us there were sitting teenage girls having a small meal before a night in watching Love Island in a hotel room and a large party spread across several tables for a man's 90th birthday with oranges at each place setting, a feast on the table and several spectacular cakes. On an adrenaline come down after a job interview and having had no lunch bar chocolate and an espresso, I took myself to Koya in Soho and had iced roasted barley tea, cold noodles with hot broth, vegetable tempura, an extra egg and pickles and felt very good afterwards. The woman serving me brought me the bag of tea to show me the brand after I said how much I liked it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>